So, uh, it, it's, it's so good to be with you this morning. If we haven't met, my name is Ryan, and uh, I'm part of the team here. And this morning, I want to, uh, want to continue on our series, our, the moment, the focus that we're in. Obviously, next week we are in uh, an encounter weekend, but we've called the whole month of August really close encounters. You can see it. It's behind the screen. I'm not making it up on the spot. We are, we're focusing on drawing near to God, and as we've been in this, you know, even in February, I had a conversation like this with Dallas, but even on the way in this morning, Dallas is my son, I've got three young boys, Dallas, Ezra, and Grayson, one wife, Brioni, uh, <laughs> thank goodness, uh, and, uh, and we, uh, we, were, we were talking about, I was thinking about it, conversation I had with Dallas back in February, and then we kind of tried to reenact it in the car, and it happened the exact same way. It was hilarious. And, uh, and I said to Dallas uh, yesterday, in the, you know, in the spirit of soccer and all things, I said, hey, hey, who is it that you would most love to meet? Have you ever stopped and asked yourself that question? Who is it that, it's like, if, you, if like, any person on the earth right now, you had an opportunity to meet with them, who would that be? And of course, because our house is just absolutely soccer-obsessed, football, if you're from... Uh, you know, the more cultured parts of the world. He, he said, you know, obviously, it would be Lionel Messi. Of course, that's like, that's the only correct answer. So I turned to him and I said, hey, what if I, what if I told you, how would you sleep tonight if I told you that Messi was going to be at church tomorrow morning? And he was like, I, I wouldn't. That would be insane. I can't believe that. I can't okay, get my head around it. And then I said, what if I told you someone better? You see where this is going? So what if I told you someone better than Messi was going to be at church tomorrow? And he said, like Mbappe? And I said, no, the Lord. He went, ah. Oh. And so I had to kind of work it through with him, that it's like, hey, also, Messi's not going to be at, Messi's not going to be at church tomorrow. And so, kind of broke his heart. I thought I was kind of doing a real good, you know, pastor and parenting thing, and I just broke his heart. So, but what I, what's amazing is, as we are in this kind of encounter series, uh, you know, Scripture tells us in Matthew 18, that when two or three of us are gathered, there the Lord is also. You see, we have a living God who delights in meeting with His people. Yes, He is with us all the time. I'm not saying that God only turns up when we gather together for church. He is a God that dwells in us, who goes before us, surrounds us, protects us, enables us, and speaks through us into the world. I'm not saying that He's never not with us, but there is something spectacular that happens when men and women of faith turn up to worship God. Ray Ortland, talking of this, he, he says, this isn't what it's saying. It's not that if you turn up together, God will show up. No, he's saying, when we turn up, we discover that God is already there, waiting to meet with us, to speak with us, to bless us, to gather together. In fact, every time we gather together as a church, God is so present. We get to meet with the creator of the universe when we gather together as his people. 
Friends, did you know that when, when you come to church, we are not just having a social gathering, but we are the people of God coming together to worship Him. And in that place, of creating an environment where we can become acutely aware of His ever-present nearness. Scripture says that God inhabits the praises of His people. And as we are in this encounter series, I want to encourage you. Imagine the greatest opportunity to meet with the person you always dream of. Now times it by infinity and one, because it's how you win every argument with a kid. God. The one who spoke and worlds were formed. The one who breathed in life came, he says that I will meet with you in that place. And as we are in this season of encounter, and as we draw towards encounter weekend next week, I want to set your, your expectations to the point that, that you would begin to draw near as we go through this week, that you would begin to prepare yourself. You would begin to kind of get excited about the prospect of meeting with the King of Kings together with all God's holy people. That this weekend coming up, we are gathering to meet with God. The Father is, always re- is already waiting for us, eager to be with us, to bless us and remind us of His great love for us. God wants to meet with His people. Now before we get there, before we get to next weekend, I, I believe God wants to do something in our hearts before we get to that point. He wants to prepare our hearts Draw you near. Believe that He wants to speak into our lives in, around this idea of the fact that you can experience God. See, Christianity, Jesus, is not just dead religion of laws and regulations. No, He is very alive. He is very present and He delights in meeting with His people. And perhaps you're here, and as we are talking in this series about the fact that God wants to meet with you, you can encounter God, you can experience God in your life. Maybe you're here and you're like, well, that sounds great, but I'm not there. That sounds fantastic for the super Christians in the world, in the room, but, but not me. If you knew, Ryan, my story, if you knew the stuff that I've been through this past week, you would know that he would have no interest in meeting with me. Perhaps you're here and as we're talking about the fact that God wants to be near to you, 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 you shudder. You begin to think, of course, well, that's great for the super Christians, but he would never, he could never, he would never want to meet with somebody like me. Or perhaps you're here and you're just, you're just ready. Today, what I want to do is just re- invite you to re-inspect, be filled again with the wonder of a God that wants to meet with you. Can we do that? I believe today God wants to heal people. I believe He wants to lift oppression off people to bring freedom and unlock futures in this place. And i got to tell you that there is something that happens when God's people begin to lift in the areas of faith to say, God, I desire that. I wonder today, are you here to just watch or are you hungry for the presence of God? Even now, begin to lift your expectation. Begin to lift up the desire of your heart to meet with Him. And if that's you and you're here and you're like, well, that's great for everybody else. I'm not really up for that. Maybe you're here and you think that it could just never be for me. I want to come around a story this morning that maybe challenges 
the picture that you have of God. A while back, I was invited to an event to go and see a band that I had loved growing up. I just, I adored them during my very cautious, very Ned Flanders uh, punk rock era where there was like one afternoon that I used a Sharpie to color in one of my nails black. I don't know, I'm a rebel, I get it. Uh, the era of skinny jeans and flannelette t-shirts and, and I was invited to this event to go and see this band, and I turned up, and it was everything that you could ever hope for. It was just like they were, they were, just, they were doing the thing, and, and it was everything that I hoped it would be. And during the night, as I was there in my skinny jeans and my flannelette t-shirt, I was like, I'm, I'm about this. This is who I am. This is what I, I want to show everybody that I get it. And so I got a little carried away. And I thought, you know what, the best way for me to show everybody here that I get it, I'm punk rock. I mean, cautiously punk rock, but I'm, you know, I'm there. I was like, just let's, let's light this sucker up. And so I decided to do a karate kick. <laughs> just in the middle of the floor, I was like, this is awesome. Karate kick, I don't know what came over me. And I thought, you know what, you can't handle this. You know who else couldn't handle it? My pants. And just, you know, they were just like, this is too much. This is too much punk rock. We're done. And they just split. And so I did what every, you know, every person would do in that moment. Not go home. Absolutely not. We're at a concert. There's gaff tape everywhere. So I just got some gaff tape. And just in my trousers, I did the world's best repair job. And, uh... This was, all, this was all fine. I was like, this is embarrassing. It's whatever, you know. Karate kick was a little too much for everybody. But then uh, the person that invited me to the event said, hey, would you like to come backstage afterwards and meet the band? And I was filled at once with a sense of absolute delight and a crushing fear. As I was like, you know what, that's, that's fine. I went into the back of the, the place and I, I went and I uh, like walked into the room. The band's sitting there and they're so cool, man. They, they get it. They play, they are on 96.5 a lot. Um, so, you know, they're top to middle of, you know, the Christian contemporary music scene. So they, they get it. And they're there and I walk in and, you know... I become acutely aware of the fact that my pants are tentatively gaffed together by an adhesive that doesn't work so well under sweaty conditions. And so I grab my final t-shirt, I throw it around my waist, and I kind of walk, you know, everywhere as though I'm Charlie Brown now. And I... I'm in the room, and they're there, and, you know, I would love so much to meet these people. I've, I've been a fan of their music. I'm a fan of what they're about for so long. I've heard them in 96.5, Sunday celebration, too many times to count. And I look at them, and I'm just like, I would love to meet you, but I am acutely aware in that moment of the mess and the situation that I've got myself into. Have you ever been in a moment like that, that it's like, I would love to. And so what I do, obviously, is I awkwardly wave from a distance and spend the rest of the night pressed against the wall. Knowing that if, if I got too close, they would be able to figure out real quick that this is a crazy guy with his pants gaffed together. I spent the entire night worried that somebody is going to get close enough 
to figure out the situation that I'm in. Spend the entire night avoiding getting close to the people, the person that I so wanted to meet with, but was so acutely aware of my situation that I could, I could never get close enough. And, and as funny as it is, as aware as I was, and in hindsight, as hilarious as it is, that I thought, you know, a karate kick was the, the way to really bring it. And perhaps that's your experience with church. Not that you've torn your trousers. But maybe you come in, maybe that's your experience with God, that when you come into church, maybe you come into environments like this, and you would so love to get close to God. You'd so love to kind of draw in and enjoy church, really pull the most out of everything that we're about, but you you walk in and you become instantly aware of everything that has gone on in your week. You become acutely aware of the mess and the situations that you've got yourself into. And so you spend your entire church experience, you spend your entire experience with God, wanting so much to engage with Him, encounter Him, be with Him. But if you're honest, your experience is more like you're hiding in the shadows, standing on the wall, keeping God at arm's length, because you know that if He looked close enough, He would realize the mess that you have. You would know the circumstances, the stains, the the muck, the stuff that you know in your mind he, he just he wants nothing to do with it. and so we hold ourselves back. And we tell ourselves constantly that there is no way you want to have a season of encounter, go for it, but you gotta you gotta know that's for everybody else. For me, I know what I've got going on and he wouldn't want any bar of that. He wouldn't want to be close to me, he wouldn't want wouldn't want to engage with me, with everything that I've got going on. And today, if that's you and you're here and you're just like, I, w- I so want to meet with God. But if He looked close, if I was honest enough, if I was real and transparent about everything that was going on in my world, He would just reject me. Are you here? Is your experience of God filled with fear? filled with worry that he's going to reject you, he's going to push you back, he's going to keep you at arm's length. Friend, can I tell you that intimacy, encounter, is debilitated by fear? That it's so incredibly hard for us to have the encounters that we stand up on stages like this and talk about when we spend our entire Christian experience, our entire experience with God setting up walls and, and keeping Him at arm's length, it's impossible to have the encounters that we so deeply desire when our life is riddled with shame, with self-awareness, with pride. All of them stand between us and a true intimacy. In fact, I talk regularly with people, even this past week, that say, Ryan, if you only knew, I could never come close to God the way that you're talking about. People say things like, I would give anything to experience God, but I just couldn't. He just wouldn't want anything to do with someone like me. Friends, can I tell you that we have all, at some stage, been in environments like this, that deep inside us, we, 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 we say and we have those conversations that it's like, if I'm real, if I'm honest, if I raise my hands, if I pray, God will look too closely and he'll discover those parts of my life that are just too embarrassing to show. 
shame and hesitation distance us from God. But this morning I want to tell you a story from Matthew chapter 8 that I hope speaks to your heart in a way that invites you near. That invites you into a place. I read this this past week with a group of people as we're reading through the New Testament. And it captivated me. It's in Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 to 4. It's also in Luke 5, Mark 1. Pick your story. Um, says this. When Jesus came down the mountainside, large crowds followed him. And a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. And then Jesus said to him, See that you do not tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Matthew chapter 8, you probably know this, comes straight after uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And in that, Jesus is up on a mountainside giving one of just the greatest sermons of all time. It's recorded as the Sermon on the Mountain. So he's just finished just outlaying the kingdom map, a a way of upside-downing everything people knew about the world and the way that it was. And and he comes down from the mountain and people are like, "This, this guy is different. There is something... This isn't just a teacher of the law. This is somebody with authority. This is, this is something different. And so people begin to follow him. The story that we just read kicks off, interestingly, a sequence of people that really have no business interacting with, people, with, with Jesus. He then goes from this moment and interacts with a woman with an issue of blood. He encounters demoniacs, centurions, priests, prostitutes, and tax collectors, people that have no business interacting with the Son of God. But it all kicks off after this encounter. It says this, that in the middle of this crowd, this large crowd, a man with leprosy steps into the picture. Leprosy, if you're not aware, is a debilitating skin condition. As diagnosed in the ancient Middle East, is, is an often deadly disease. It affects your skin and then the tissue and then moves to decay and ultimately and often into the point of death. This man was not just unwell. He was, he was, he was in a place of a living death. Leprosy, as we read through scriptures, is oftentimes used to illustrate not just the physical but the spiritual reality of people that are far from God. This man is living a kind of living death that we struggle to understand today. He's not only dying physically, but he is dying because he has ultimately an end date ahead of him. It destroys all of his future potential. It's killing him physically, it's killing his potential, but it's also killing him socially. They would have to walk and shout, unclean, unclean. He was not allowed to have family relationships. He had to live by himself outside of town. It killed him socially. And because he was unclean, he couldn't come to the temple to do the, uh, the religious rituals. And so it killed him spiritually too. Leviticus 13, talking about leprosy, gives instructions. It says, anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes. Been there? Let their hair be unkempt and cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone and they must live outside of the camp. 
There are stories of rabbis that would not buy food on streets they'd heard a leper walk through. There are stories of Pharisees that would throw stones at them to make sure that they never thought they would be allowed close. This man has absolutely no business being anywhere near anyone, let alone talking to Jesus. This man is a mess. This man's life, his future, his, his family, his spirituality, it's all destroyed. In fact, as we read in his request to Jesus, he didn't even ask to be healed. He knew he had to be cleansed. And yet as we look at this exchange, he, he gets out of that crowd. He steps out of the crowd and he comes and he falls before Jesus and he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You see, this man, he comes and he kneels, he falls in front of Jesus and he calls him Lord. This is the first part of this interaction. This man decides that, hey, you know what, not just am I going to ask myself the question, is he willing, but am I willing to step out from the crowd that knows that I have no business being around anyone? Am I willing, am I willing to step out of the crowd and stand before God? He kneels. He calls him Lord. It's a posture of worship. It's a posture of acknowledging the divinity of this Jesus. He goes before him with a posture of worship and acknowledges that he's not talking to just any other man. He says, Lord, it's a posture of reverence. It's a posture that asserts Jesus' authority over him. Ultimately, it's an act of surrender. You see, he falls in front of Jesus, his hair unkempt, his clothes torn, his face covered. He falls in front of him, and there is no pretense in this man. There's no hiding. The man doesn't come and fall before Jesus, kneel in front of him, trying to keep it all together and look the part. No, he comes with an acknowledgement of Jesus' authority, and he says, Lord, But here I am. He presents him right. He presents himself right in front of Jesus. And you read that there is not even a request. He simply describes the situation that he's in. He says, "Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean." He doesn't say, "God, would you would you do something about them?" No, he just says what it is because he asserts he knows the authority of this Jesus. You read in that there is a humility, a confession. You can make me clean. In other words, I am unclean. He knows the state. He says, I'm a mess. I'm dying. We've all experienced the pain of trying to conceal something. Maybe growing up you broke something. You tried to keep it a secret from your parents. Maybe in work you've made a mistake and you've You've twisted yourself into knots trying to kind of keep that thing a secret. We've all experienced the pain of trying to conceal something, but ultimately all of us have discovered that trying to hold something a secret ultimately begins to eat us up. It begins to tear us apart. And this man, he comes and not trying to hide anything, he comes and confesses the state of himself. See, I am convinced... The reason that so many Christians, especially those that I talk to that are struggling in the areas of of intimacy and closeness and the encounter of the Holy Spirit, struggle to encounter God 
have lost the vitality of their faith is because we've lost the beauty of standing before God. Acknowledging the messier parts of ourselves and hearing in that moment the voice of the Father openly forgiving us. We've lost the wonder of standing before God saying, I know there are parts of me that have no business coming with me on this journey of following you. And, and, and we, we think that, that the, the fear of being found out is, is more painless than the freedom of hearing his forgiveness. But friends, can I tell you the same way that trying to keep those, those mistakes that you've made a secret from the friends and the family in your life, in the same way the joy and the freedom and, and, the, and the wonder that comes when you stand before God and say, there are parts of me that are a mess. Not so that we can wait flinching for the hit, but so that you can hear openly the wonder. As Paul says, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We don't come and we, we don't bear our mess in, in way of a shame, but we come and we bear it before Jesus so that we can hear the voice of the Father time after time after time after time. He says, I do not condemn you. Therefore, go and sin no more. He says this to a woman that is caught in adultery, caught in the very act. He comes and he meets her there. Friends, I wonder how, how free you could be if you could just simply learn the wonder of standing open, transparent, repentant before a loving Father. Not wondering whether He'll forgive you, but freely receiving His grace upon grace upon grace. He says, if you are willing... It's a statement of faith in the character of God. He's not saying, God, if you're willing, and then wondering if you will. He, he, he says, if you're willing. And he postures himself to receive. Why? Because he puts it on the character of God. And then what does Jesus do? He does the absolute unthinkable. He reaches out in that moment and he touches him. He reaches out and he touches, perhaps for the first time in some time, definitely against all protocol, definitely against all religious expectation. And friends, can I tell you that he still does it today? Those parts of you that think this would absolutely repulse God, can I tell you he's still in the business of moving toward you? He's still in the business of reaching out and touching those that have no business being near to him. And this is what happens. He doesn't get unclean. The, the, the religious expectation of the day is when somebody clean touches something unclean, the unclean gets on the clean. But when Jesus touched this man, it wasn't his, his filth, it wasn't his muck, it wasn't his uncleanness that got on Jesus. It was Jesus' cleansing flow that got upon this man. And Jesus says two words, Thalo Katharizo, I am willing, be clean. Jesus reaches out and he touches this man and he demonstrates his power. He says, be clean in one word. Friends, all it takes in your life is just one word from Jesus. Friend, all it takes in your life is one word from the Father and it can come and it can destroy all of the filth. It can come and it can break the power of strongholds. It can come and it can cleanse you. It can heal you. It can set you free. It can set you right. It can 
pull you together when it feels like you're falling apart. All it takes is one word. The same one word that saw creation burst forth is the word that he says. He says, be clean. Katharisa, one word and he discovers his power, but he doesn't only discover his power. He also meets his desire. Thalo Katharizo, I am willing. I am willing. Be clean. He shows his desire. All oh, that today you would discover his desire. His desire to heal. His desire to cleanse. His desire to touch those who are out of reach. His desire to meet you where you're at. His desire. Oh, that today, if nothing else, you would simply discover His desire for you. He demonstrates this desire time and time again through the Gospels. Not only did He touch the leper, but He sits with the woman caught in adultery. He eats with the tax collector. He embraces the prodigal time and time again. He not only heals, He not only cleanses, but He touches those that by any stretch of the imagination ought to be out of reach. This is why the writer of Hebrews says, if we could begin to understand this, if we can begin to understand the magnitude of Jesus' grace and love and His ability to, to throw off your religious expectations and meet you where you're at, if you could discover His desire, the writer of Hebrews says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. How long have you allowed the lies? The the ideas, the things that you've done, the places that you've been, the hurts that you've caused, the hurts that you've had. Keep you out of reach from Jesus. Jesus wants you to discover today not only His power to cleanse you, but His desire to reach you. And He goes on and He says something which is just crazy. Alright, straight after this. He says that Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priests and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Firstly, perhaps you've heard it and it's true that Jesus heals this man and there is a responsibility for him to re-engage with society. He has to have confirmed what Jesus has done for him. What's wild about that is what the law was powerless to do for this man, it's still able to confirm. Jesus says, you know what? I have not come to destroy the Lord, but to, Lord, but to fulfill it. I, I haven't come to do away with all that, but I've come to do what it ultimately was trying the entire time to do. Go show yourself to the priest. You'll get a stamp of approval. You'll get the thumbs up. And then you can go back and enjoy real life. And that is true. 
Friends, if you're here and you feel like God has done a, a, a work in your life and you're sick and we've seen it time and time again, we've, we, we revel in the wonder of when somebody is unwell and they go to the doctor and they have the, the, the check and the scan is clear and we get to worship and honor the Lord for what He has genuinely done in their life. We're not guessing as to whether or not it's truly happened. We love that. If you get healed, go get it verified as a testimony to Him. Absolutely go do that. But there is something else going on in this story that, that honestly, when I discovered it, it took my breath away, a closer inspection. He just says, go, go to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded. So I did what all of us would do when we read something like that. I said, what is the gift that Moses commanded? And I read it. If a leper is cleansed, if a leper is no longer showing signs or symptoms and it it looks that they've been healed, the first step took place outside the camp where a priest would come and examine the person to verify their recovery. Makes sense? Then, two live birds would be taken. They would grab two live birds, some cedar wood, a piece of scarlet cloth, and hyssop. And watch what happens. One bird was taken, and if there's vegans in the room, I'm so sorry. One bird was killed over an earthen vessel containing fresh running water. And the living bird, the lucky bird, was dipped in the blood mixed with water and then released The same blood mixed with water was sprinkled seven times on the healed person so that they could experience the symbolic expression of what has just happened. Jesus says, go to the priests. What happens? Two birds. Sounds like a bad joke. Two birds, go to the temple. Two birds, one dies, its blood poured out, mixed with water, covers the living bird, the living bird goes free. Jesus says, go to the priests, do what is required of you from the law, sure, so that you can re-engage with society, but there's something deeper going on here that maybe you won't understand right now, but there is coming a time that you will begin to appreciate fully which has just taken place. See, one bird dies. It's blood poured out and put upon the other so that the other can go free. The dead bird symbolizing the death that was due, the sickness that it had. And the other goes free as a symbol of its cleansing, its redemption, and its future. Jesus says, go to the priest and he'll make sense of what just happened. You won't get it right now. There's going to be a day, six hours, one Friday, you'll be sitting and you'll hear stories that I am now hanging upon a cross. My blood being poured out. My death. Your death sentence. 
my blood poured out and my cleansing flowed. And you'll be standing, my leprous friend. And you'll think back to that hyssop covered with the blood and the water being sprinkled upon you as a testimony to the fact that one body had to take the ultimate, uh, the ultimate eventuality of the sickness that you have so that the other could go free covered in the blood of that thing. He says, you won't understand it just yet, but there is coming a time that you will begin to understand, friend, that you are the second bird. You are the second bird that, that now is going free because I have taken upon myself I'll take upon myself. Jesus says, go to the priest. He'll make sense of all of this because one day you'll realize that I am the first bird. That I will take upon myself the death that you deserve so that you can be covered with the blood of the one who died in your place. He says to the leper, go because one day this will all make sense to you. I'll take your death. I'll take your sin, I'll take your muck, I'll take your mess, I'll take it all. Would you just give it to me because I'm the first bird. So that you, when you go on your way, you could remember that it was nothing that you did to make yourself well, but it was that I chose to take your death on me so that you could take my life on you. Remember, Jesus didn't get the filth on him. The, the cleansing got on the filthy. Friends, this, the story of the Bible is one that salvation belongs to the Lord and the Lord alone. That we could do nothing to make ourselves friends with God, but that God did all of the work to become friends with us. That it is nothing that we could do to get ourselves right with God, but that He would willingly come to the earth, come into the mess, into the muck, into the rubbish that we'd created for ourselves, and take upon Himself the death, the sin, the sickness, so that we could take upon ourselves His life, His cleansing, His freedom. Friends, can I encourage you? Today, what if you stop standing? You're back to the wall, afraid of interacting with God when Jesus is saying to this leper, would you give it all to me? You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to keep it a secret. If you could just give it all to me. How many of us, perhaps even you're here today, you've, your experience with church, your experience with God, has been riddled with standing on the edges with your problems with your disqualifiers front of mind shouting that there's no way for you to encounter God that lie that says that that thing that's, that's always going to be there that mistake that's always going to hold you at arm's length from God you are way too far gone there's just no way Perhaps your experience with church is that, that I, I want to know the touch of God, but 
If I get too close, he'll discover. He'll see. He'll step back. He'll reject me. Ryan, if if you knew, if you knew what I did last night, if you only knew the things I've looked at, the places I've gone, the things I've done, Oh, today that you would discover the grace. The grace that reaches. The grace that touches. The grace that heals and cleanses. The grace that, 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 that extends its hand and doesn't shrink back from the mess. But wants to touch you. Oh, that you would discover that grace today. Oh, that you would see Jesus the way He wants to be seen. Friends, today your life, your life could never be the same. Personally, I'm done. And we always say, you know, give God your best. That's awesome. That's great. But I want to grow to have a picture of grace It is comfortable in even giving God my worst. I'm done standing, putting on the show. I'm done coming into spaces like this and and my mind going to those moments that I yelled at my kids. I did it. I'm sorry. Like 20 minutes ago. It was during the service. I'm sorry that I accidentally said a swears. I'm sorry. I'm done only giving God the parts of my life that I think that He will accept. And I want to move to a place of grace that says, God, you have all of me. Jesus today is saying to you, would you give all of it to me? Would you give it all to me? So that you could know the cleansing flow of my life in your life. Can we stand all across this room? I believe today we are going to have a moment for people to both discover His willingness and His power. I know that there are people here and as we move into Encounter Weekend, what I want, what I believe God wants to do today is to break the fear of intimacy off your life. He wants to break the fear of rejection off your life so that you can come before Him. Full of the assurance that faith brings, the writer of Hebrews says. There are people here today that need to say, God, I can't go another day without laying this thing at your feet. God, if I'm honest, I've been hiding, afraid of really being seen, but here I am. If that's you in a moment, and we're not going to ask questions because, man, if Jesus is willing to accept us, far be it from us to be a community that doesn't accept when people are honest before God.
just a moment we're going to begin to worship and if you're just saying you know what God I need to come before you and I need to lay this at your feet I need to say Lord if you're willing you can make me clean there are others still that I believe God wants to touch and heal your body touches a leprous man and with two words he makes him clean we're going to believe together that God is going to heal your body wherever you're at whatever it is that you're going through your sickness is never too far gone impossible looks different with my God but before we do that if every head wants to bow and every eye wants to close not because at all this is a private moment but because we want you to be able to hear the knock of a father that's calling you home. Scripture tells us that if we are willing to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord he comes rushing into our lives this forgiveness and His salvation. And if you've never done that, you've never known what it is to be touched, to be saved, to be welcomed, to be cleansed by Jesus for the first time. On the count of three, I'm going to give you the opportunity to just say yes to Jesus. To say yes to His cleansing, to say yes to His touch and forgiveness in your life. If that's you right across this room, Would you just be brave enough to just raise your hand and say, Ryan, today, I want to say yes to Jesus. One, two, three across this room. If that's you, right where you're at, would you just raise your hand and say, Ryan, today is my day to say yes to Jesus. To stop hiding and say, you know what, I need to know His cleansing flow in my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you're at. Father, I thank you. Father, for people who are on that journey, for people who are making that decision, God, that they would know your willingness and your power to love, to accept, to forgive. I pray that you would make yourself known to them.